Hello, everyone. Welcome to This Must Be the Place, the Building Science Podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Henderson. Each episode is a deep conversation with a carefully chosen peer about not just houses, but place. Yeah, of course we talk about houses and retrofits, but we also want to change the industry for the better, forever. Energy poverty, community engagement, industry disruption, societal responsibility, and climate change. It's all here and so much more. are back with This Must Be the Place, your building science podcast. I'm your host, Shlana Henderson, and today I am sitting in my car in the parking lot of a school waiting for my son to finish off his renovation job because his car and so far the rest of the household are victims of supply chain issue. So here I am, and today's guest is Mr. Energy, Ross Elliott. <laughs> <That's, And a, laughs> that sounds so great. I want to be that, that's, Energy. That was, the Ottawa Citizen called me that. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so Ross is an award-winning and sought-after energy design consultant for contractors and homeowners. He's been an energy auditor for more than 30 years. He acts as a mentor to new evaluators, qualified to certify R2000, Energy Star, LEED, and Passive Houses. And he's been instrumental in the success of the Energy Star program in Canada. So, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you for the introduction, Sean. How are you today? Well, you know, I'm getting used to this office in my car business. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice. It's nice. Somewhere. I've got the windows open. You can't hear the traffic. Oh, good. good, good. Yeah, well, and how about you? You're well, supposed I, to be retired, aren't you? That's right. I was supposed to be, but I, I get called in sometimes um, mm-hmm. just to uh, do some, you know, some wild training mostly. Right. So, right. Which is great. Which we yep. know more of. Yeah. Well, that's, a, yeah. you know, that's, that's what us older guys are good for is training the younger, the younger generation. So, so we don't lose yeah. Our skills. <laughs> yeah. We can build on them. That would be great. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that is great. That's what we're doing, right? We're yeah, exactly. Expanding the knowledge base. Mm-hmm. So, you started out as an energy auditor in Maine? Yeah, well, I got certified in Maine. Strange enough, I lived in New Hampshire at the time, but I'm actually a Canadian, and I, uh, I was only there for, I was in New Hampshire for two years. But while I was there, I took a, char- a course with this guy, Charlie Wing, who was like some really old people might remember Charlie Wing. He wrote a book called From the Walls In and another one from the ground up. So Charlie had a building building school. Remember him? I have those books. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Charlie Wayne and Pat. And then Pat and him and Pat Henning started Shelter Institute. And then Charlie oh, down okay. the road and did Cornerstone. So I went to Shelter Institute one summer for three weeks and learned all about house building. Then the next year I came back and I took another three-week course at what they call Cornerstones up the road in Bath, Maine yeah. with Charlie Wing. So that's when I got certified. We first used, first learned how to use a blower door. And what program was that under the weatherization program? 
I think or, I don't even I don't even think they had a program yet. I think they were doing the tra- they trained us first and then they created the programs after. Well, you know, from the <laughs> yeah. thing, right? Yeah, but basically, <laughs> the very, I think it was like the very beginning of the whole energy auditing idea. I mean, we just started having things like blower doors and the you know the little okay. sharp mini computer, handheld mini computers. Right. But there's no such thing as desktops or laptops or anything like that. We had to send our our data off to a mainframe computer and with a on a punch card. But that's a long time ago. Oh, so you were just slightly <laughs> ahead of me. I never had to use punch cards, but I do remember those little <laughs> computers with their dandy little thermal tape that if you were, yeah, if you left it in your car, it got overexposed and then you couldn't actually use it because it got, it was just black. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that goes back a long ways. And you were also, you got, you became a licensed carpenter. Yeah, but, uh, in that era. Well, yeah, when I came, I came up to Perth, Ontario, shortly uh, after I'd taken that uh, course with uh, the Cornerstone Stones in Maine, and uh, I got a blower door from Retrotech, and I went out trying to start uh, like an energy auditing business. And there wasn't any kind of program or anything. It's just, it's a really good idea to get an energy audit, and I couldn't sell it. <laughs> People just, you know, it's like I don't know. I, but I didn't think you could sell it even now if you just had no incentives, but um, so I brought the blower door back to RetroTech after a month that I had to deal with them. If I couldn't make it, make a go of it, I'd bring it back to the blower door. So I brought back the blower door and then I went to work as a carpenter's helper, got my, did my apprenticeship, got my license and started a renovation business and did a couple of years as a home builder uh, before I came back around to doing energy auditing again in 1999. They circle. Yeah, yeah. So and so, then, so is that that was when home uh, home soul building solutions came into play. Yeah, yeah, that's that right. Yep, yeah, that's right. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. And you've since handed that business off to Stephen Nardron and um, Brent Crawford and the other guy whose name I never meet. I've never met him. And the name Dad. Chad. Yeah. Uh, and Chad. Yes. Yeah. 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 Brett, Brett and Chad bought the company. Uh, you might, okay. might know them from Halifax. Yes, I, I do very much. Although, oh. well, I know Brent. I've never met Chad. I've only spoken to him on the phone once. Oh. So that's why his name just sort of like eludes me all the time. It's Brad, <laughs> Brent's partner in crime. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they, yeah, they were, uh, they've done a fantastic job with everything. They've, you know, they're, mm-hmm. That's the great thing about handing something along to younger people with more energy. They've they've just rocked it. They're all over Canada. They've got a, a lot of, a whole lot of employees working for them, and mm-hmm. now it's, it's uh, they've really taken it to, to the next level. And Stefan, who is our uh, who is Home Souls Ontario manager? Yeah, that's his official title. Yep. Is also one of our key instructors for great, Hot great. 2000 training now. So we've got this live Hot 2000 training. So, yeah, I mean, let's, oh, he's, you know, he's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, this is great. Yeah, yeah we're, we're making all the right connections. Oh, good, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I know that you are working in the north primarily now. Is that? Yep. Is that where you Yep. Yeah, mostly northern Ontario and northern and up in Labrador at this point. Thanks. So, and what, and you're doing training mainly or field work? Uh, well, 
a bit of both, um, you know, doing the field work when somebody else can't do it. But mostly our main, our main thing is to try and get other people to know what we can, what we know so they can do the Lord or testing and then energy audits and, you know, make sure that, you know, all the right building measures are, are, are suggested to make the houses mm-hmm. better, that kind of thing. So training mainly. Right. And this is a big, this is a big push for Northern in remote communities because there's a lot of things that are very, very different, both in climatic, for climatic issues and also cultural issues in, in mm-hmm. the way people use houses. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because that's really important. I mean, this is, this is part of sort of the history of and, and, and immediate context of what we need to work on to improve housing stock in all parts of Canada. Yeah, the same, the same building science issues are on in all kinds of houses, but the further north you go and you know, the, the more severe the conditions are and the, the more things that can go wrong when things aren't done the best way we know how to do them, <clears throat> which isn't usually how, well, I shouldn't say this. I, I shouldn't make the stereotype saying that, that you know, all the houses in, the, in, uh, in reserves are in terrible shape because there are some pretty good examples of, uh, of well-done houses using all the proper principles of building science and mm-hmm. building them for the climate that they're intended for. But there's also lots of examples of houses that are built uh, the cheapest way, which I understand there's only so much money to go around and the need for houses is a far outstrips the amount of funding available. So the tendency is to try to build more houses more cheaply rather than build, you know, 10% better and 10% fewer houses. So that's right. But just, if you're only trying to talk about, you know, money, fighting about the money, that that doesn't really go very far. But if you can explain how having a better house actually makes people's lives better, you know, when you're... When well, and, and, and actually costs less in the long run if you don't have to replace that house in 10 years. Absolutely. Because yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's demolished because of mold and, and yeah, rot. Exactly. And, and uh, you know, you mentioned, like, cultural. I mean, I don't, I don't know if there's a big difference in how people live in their houses other than at, in the North, people tend to be more, they gather together in larger groups of people they have bigger families or they have the neighbors over and there's a lot of people in the house. Quite a lot of the time there's something cooking on the stove and the houses are small and, and generally pretty tight. Um, so it's a perfect recipe to get condensation happening in, in right. thermal, you know, place where there's thermal bridges and things like that. You see mold in the corner of the kitchen and everything all the time. It's like, it's not bad housekeeping. It's, it's the way that if you have high humidity and cold surfaces, you're going to get condensation, which allows mold to get a, get a hold of. So mm-hmm. when houses get moldy and unlivable, you have to build another one. So don't, don't build it like that anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. Can we learn from this yet? What does Einstein say? Yeah, yeah. You know, doing the same exactly. thing over and over again and expecting a different outcome is the definition of insanity. Yeah. I um, think that's where, you know, going into the communities and training, training the, the work crew really the people that are going to go out and do the consulting work and going to do the the upgrades um so that they can explain why it's a better idea to use things like continuous insulation on the outside instead of having you know just two by six stud and r20 bats like we still see in some houses it's uh that people are still building uh in cold climates just using um know the 1980s style two by six wall with maybe an r22 bat in it <laughs> so, right. so you, you but it, you, if it's gonna people are thinking well it's gonna cost a thousand dollars more or two thousand dollars more to, to do it right uh but they don't actually they don't use those words they don't say to do it right they're just gonna say it costs two thousand dollars more to do that and and somebody needs to say to them 
well, this is why this is a better idea. That's why you need to spend mm-hmm. the $2,000. So that's the battle that's always, they're always up against. And you can only really and, do that in the people in the community are the ones that need to lead that, I think. Right, right. And, you know, like that, that argument is going to cost you more to improve the building envelope is not, um, and, and, and having that rejected is not unusual anywhere. Slap on a new email. That's yeah, that's okay, it. And we'll be good. You're absolutely um, right. Ninety nine percent of all houses built in Canada are being built to the lowest possible standard allowed by law. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you. You're just legal. That's great. Um, <laughs> you mean yeah. you're not in COVID. I saw somebody yeah. advertising that one time. It's I that's just it's on the side of their truck and says we we beat we beat building code. I thought, isn't like is it against the law to not beat building code? <laughs> uh, so. Yeah, just saying. <laughs> but that, when you you mentioned the larger numbers of people, and uh, that's really the cultural part I was talking about, and the people use their houses slightly differently, um, and have different needs in the north as well. Where you know, if you are um, if you're reliant reliant on hunting. You need to have a place to hang meat. You yeah. need to have a place to, if you're if you're using the the, the hides, where are you going to tend on those? Mm-hmm. Um, and then for a lot of people, existence is is absolutely predicated on a working snow machine, mm-hmm. right? A snow machine, a snowmobile. Yeah. You need to have a place to store that where it's not going to freeze, and then another place to work on it when you need to to maintain it. Mm-hmm. Um, and those things just don't exist in a sort of a, a stock house plan that was made for Southern Canada. You're right. Um, so those are some of the other things that I know from talking with several of the people who are involved with uh, when it used to be called uh, Indian. Oh man, it was some India and Northern Affairs or something. I, INAC. INAC. Yeah. No, no. Um, when when that organization was or that entity was around and CMHC was doing a lot of work up north. Um, and I went up to Yukon with a bunch of people. And I think that might have been, you might have met there. Uh, Charles Saloon and a few other people uh, in, in, might have charrette in Whitehorse. And we went to see about six or eight super insulated houses. Mm-hmm. No, I, haven't been up yet. I haven't been up there yet. Okay. I'm going up there in November, but... Uh... I've only, I've only been up to a Callaway. Only. Yeah, I bet. I know it's just the, the northern landscapes are so stunning. Um, but that, I thought that I had met you there, but obviously if you haven't been to White House, then that's probably not where we met uh-huh. first. I think we met first at, at probably Affordable Comfort. Did you used to go to Affordable Comfort? Concert? Yes. Of course. Yes. Okay. So there we are. Yes. <laughs> That's where I met yeah. you from. Yeah. 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 And then at spring camp and oh yeah, other bits and pieces. Yeah. yeah. And, and were yeah. you at Joe Stebrick's party? No, Joe Stebrick never invited me. You just have to ask him. That's, I, that's, I all, I, that's all I did. I did. You did? <laughs> I did. <laughs> He's like, and eh, no, not you. You're going to talk back. 
<laughs> Although he's got pretty feisty women in his life, so I'm sure he's not. Oh not yeah, to that. But, yep. Um, but affordable comfort uh, that was that was a great that that is a great comfort. So I think I'd, I'd like to go back, even though I'm not even really in the business anymore. So. I, can't afford it. Yeah, four thousand dollars for a conference fee anymore. And, but uh, yeah, I'd love to go just to go see the old, the old crowd. You know. Yeah, yeah. So it's not. Uh, it used to be called a Co- Affordable Comfort Institute, yeah. ACI, yeah. and then it transmogrified through a few um, reorganizations and renaming. And now I believe it's the Home Performance. Home Comfort and Performance Institute. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So if anybody's interested in, in, in finding out, they, they are excellent conferences. They're, uh, they're put on in various parts of the U.S. And they really have a fantastic, always fantastic lineup of, of <laughs> seminars and workshops and um and because it's the primary place where folks in the States can get CEUs for Building Performance Institute and a few other things that are specific to the uh, residential housing renovation market, mm-hmm. it's top notch. So it's really well ex- um, attended, great speakers. And if you are part of any of those BPI or anything else, then there's credits for you for your professional development but um yeah i would highly recommend if anybody can make it down to go to those especially the ones that are close by the northern border not as much traveling maybe hmm. yeah it's, although it's, they're they're held in you know conference season which is like march so like you might want to get the hell out of the west yeah, yeah over there, so go to san francisco <laughs> or to san diego that's always a good one <laughs> yeah the first one i went to was in pittsburgh hmm. and then I can't remember where else. Detroit. I remember. Yeah, I remember that one. Uh, oh, the, the nice warm one was in, uh, was Austin. Yeah. Everything else yeah. was cold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, but the thing is, for anybody who's listening to this, that's that's in the, well, what they, the States would often call like home performance industry here. Mm-hmm. We talk about, I don't know what we, how we call it, like energy audits, but then we say they're not supposed to be energy auditor. It sounds like tax auditor. So, so yeah, evaluate. Energy advisor? Like, no, energy not even that. It's an advisor. No, how do we call it an energy advisor? Well, oh, yeah, it used to be an energy um, audit, certified evaluator. Certified energy ed- advisor. Oh, yeah, now it's yeah. not a certified energy advisor. Now it's a registered energy yeah. advisor. Yeah. But anyway, that's all in nomenclature and everything. When you go there, you say, those are my people. That, yeah, exactly. They're doing. They're showing bl- how to use a blower door to test a multi-story building, and there's like and then there's yeah. another, another. I don't know which session to go to. The other one about mold is really good too. You know, yeah, you go like it's a fantastic uh, conference for sort of energy performance geeks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And the other one, there's two other ones that are really excellent. One, uh, I'm not sure if they're still doing it or not, but it was called Raider Fest. Raider. Oh yeah, yeah. T E R Raider Fest, which is done by Energy Ener- Energologic, which is out of Colorado, mm-hmm. and they do it up in the mountains behind Denver somewhere. Uh, it's this gorgeous national forest place, and it is basically five days of just, or maybe three days—I can't remember—of just nonstop interactive workshop. Super amazing, great opportunity to just like plow into. 
all things um, related to being an energy advisor or hers rater. They're very, very similar. And then the other one that's exceptional to go to is just, oh man, it just went out of my head. Um, it's gone. Oh, well, I'll tell you if I can remember it. But it's, it's awesome. There's some really good conversations in the States. Just go. Yeah, yeah. That's how we learn a lot of stuff. That is, that's really the best way to go out and learn, I think, because it's just, it, it's not just the basics that you're, you know, when you're trying to plow through a PowerPoint uh, course so you can write a, a, an Enercan exam. It just doesn't have the same uh, excitement about, <laughs> the excitement of learning is uh, as going to a conference and listening to some really smart people tell you what they know. Yeah, well, remember when they did the one uh, renovation conference here that uh, Don Fugler and a few other Yeah, yeah, the one and only we ever did. We need more yeah. of that. Yeah, for sure. We need way more of that kind of stuff. So I know that Casey, Canadian Association of Consulting Energy Advisors, mm -hmm. has piggybacked on CHBA, Canadian Home Builders Association, national events and had their aging out there. Mm -hmm. So there's a little bit of a, a nice mix of builders and energy advisors in the same room um but really to to help people to move forward we need something that's a little bit broader that encompasses people who aren't um home builders members and aren't kc members the people who are you know out there in the field doing the work if they don't know the why behind it i think that's that's one of the big bonuses of, of benefits of the the programs that are in the States, the weatherization programs, et cetera, have created a very solid industry mm -hmm. um, in weatherization and home performance. And we're still really not close to anywhere. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of super good work happening, but we don't mm -hmm. have a workforce that's dedicated to weatherization. Like yeah, in the yeah. States. And that's, that's money that comes from the federal level and goes to the states and the states administer it and it just spreads out and and it's um, for, there's a there's low low income uh, programs and there's programs for for folks who are in energy poverty but there's a whole there's a whole infrastructure in there for for helping people attain yeah, reasonable yeah. energy. Um, savings and to especially to make the house more comfortable. It might not be the best in terms of they're not doing deep energy retrofits, but guess what? The house is way more comfortable. Yeah, and, yeah. And we and we installed some bath standards on humidistats, so you know, we covered some ventilation issues. Um, yeah, no, know. and their their building. I mean, their their business model is more based on the idea that you come in and you tell the homeowner, you know, first you do the audit for free if it's low income. Um, it doesn't it doesn't put them out any money to come in and say what needs to be done. And this is, you know, working with the low income programs and then either come back with the free furnace and the free, the free bathroom fan and, and the free blown attic insulation and the free weather stripping around the door or, uh, or they tell them, here's how much it's going to be to do it. If it's in the case of the homeowners actually paying for go and get three quotes. And then uh, if you choose us, let us know there's our phone number and we'll, and mm -hmm. nine out of 10 times the trusted, contractor even if they cost more money is the one that came in and identified all these problems so they can make money on actually doing the work but in canada mm -hmm. we we split the energy consulting side of things off from the the 
contracting side as if there's a conflict of interest. I mean, I, you know, I, there's two ways of looking at it. I kind of think there is a conflict of interest, but it, it, it doesn't work as effectively as coming in there and saying, okay, we'll be back tomorrow with the truck to do all that work. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so I don't know. We went down a different road with Canada and that's, uh, it's never yeah. resulted in a, in a really robust industry. It, the whole bunch of service organizations pop up like mushrooms every time the, the government comes along with a program. And then after that, they all disappear. Um, so, and then it, not just the whole company kind of vanishes off the internet and everything. A lot of times you still have better guide for houses, um, ghost websites floating around the internet, but, yep. but you know, um, it's, uh, they also lose the workforce and, yep. and it, and, and, it's it's hard. and it's happened and it's happened how many times in, in your career and my career? Like yeah. I know that we lost, we lost hundreds of people when Harper's government tanked the uh, eco energy program, mm-hmm. and and guess where they went? Whole raft of them emigrated to the states. Oh yeah, because they were qual- there. qualified for a really good paying job, which we never yeah we never developed yeah. it into that. We also got stuck on this piecework idea, which was yeah that was that started with green communities as a nonprofit. They wanted to do it as a uh, you know, flat rate for the for the auditor to get paid for every audit, and uh, that could, you know that's feast or famine, and you kind of wait for the phone to ring, and then all of a sudden you're overloaded, and you're you're totally stressed out. You have a stack of reports uh, on your desk that have to be have to be out within ten days and everything, and then uh, you know it's coming and going all the time. Yeah. Down in the states, you can actually get hired as a very well paid, you know, member of a team that has a steady com- company underneath it that actually. You know, doesn't rely on 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 programs coming and going all the time. So we we you know, mm-hmm. we know what we we know what's gone wrong, but we don't. I don't. Know. If, well, I, you know, I can't I can't criticize the current program that much because I don't know that much about it. I I retired just before it really started coming online, and and I've heard horror stories, but I don't have any firsthand stories to tell, so I won't tell <laughs> stories I've heard. <laughs> it, 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 it's it, it's not it's not as as uh, I mean, what part of the problem with the eco energy program was that it became significant incentives for people to swap out their furnaces so oh, yeah. it, that was that was part of the issue was well, that I, in, in large markets it was a yeah, it was a basically swap they, out furnace they asked for at one point Canada actually asked us the, the people might have got it got asked as well you know the experienced people in the field they actually did ask what do you think we should do and i wrote a rant and you know how i can rant mm-hmm. and i just ranted about how it's like like gas furnaces are the, are the devil. I mean, gas water heaters are the devil. Like any combustion appliances, if you like, you've been like you were just about to say. I think it was a, it became a furnace replacement program to yep. make sure people are tied back into the pipeline for another thirty years. Put on a brand new furnace, nobody's ever going to turn off en- their their Enbridge meter because their furnace is perfectly good now. That should yep. never have happened in the first place. And and I read it so much that. Mate, if I was the only one who said anything, that I that I must have been the one who chased it all, but or or they may have got fearful from it hundreds a, of people who said, "Do not ever a, do that again." This it was at least do. you and me. Oh, good, I, good. I was holistic <laughs> about the whole thing for, good, for good. a very long. At time least there was two of us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so that was the, so the thank, Thankfully, they've gotten rid of that. They, there's still lots of. Well, you know, they're doing they're doing the best they can. What can we say? It's a it's better than it's better than nothing. That's for sure. I have really no firsthand experience. I don't see the, the statistics and all that of what's going on anymore. So I, I hope it's succeeding really well. 
Yeah, I'm 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 un, unable to comment too much on it because I'm not doing much. I'm not doing any field work myself anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do know that there's a lot of people who um, are frustrated with the amount of paperwork that's involved mm-hmm. in it, um, and are especially the greener what do we call it greener homes initiative. Um, that there are a bunch of people who are like, mm, I'm not going to take on that work because it is too much paperwork, and so that's a problem that could. Yeah, that's a, that's a program design problem that needs to be fixed, that must be fixed, mm-hmm. so that now we, you know, we, you have the whole ecosystem working in some optimized way, right? You have people asking for Craner Homes Initiative money, grants mm-hmm. and loans, and you have enough EAs in place to do the work, and then you have a workforce or enough EAs in place to actually, you know, Mm-hmm. which mark the houses, get that first lower door test and the energy model in. Yep. The missing piece of this is the people to do the work. Mm. Right? We don't have enough of a workforce. Everybody, I mean, the whole industry is like, I can't find anybody to do anything because there's nobody out there who can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the big piece of of the challenge right now, I, as far as I can see, is that we don't, there's not, there's not enough EAs out in the fields who can do renovation work because it's not like just doing an energy model on a, on a set of plans, mm-hmm. as you know very well. And then the second piece is we need to have more people out there who can, un, who have a good grasp of how to do air sealing insulation work, what to look for so that they don't create more unintended consequences. Mm-hmm. That you know, when they if they if they're opening up walls and they find a whole bunch of rot, it's not like ah oh, well, whatever. I'll just hide that. I mean, I'm doing a great disservice to a whole raft of people I know. Um, <laughs> but the, but those are the those those outlying situations are the ones that every friggin' homeowner hears. Mm-hmm. And those are the ones that the industry is always having to battle against. So that we're that's, back to that's the idea. Of the rent. Yeah, of course. <laughs> that's a good one because the, the, the thing is, if we train people, they eventually get older and leave the business, like <laughs> some of us have, and uh, and and uh, they they leave, and other people, you know, take their place. Not just getting older, but moving on to other jobs or various other things. Maybe it's not for them. So getting the training out there in the first place, and then retaining the workforce, not having these boom and bust cycles. So all the best people didn't go home and, and you know, cry in their beer for for years, waiting for somebody to call them back and put them back to work with the blower door. <laughs> they, they went on to do other things and yep. probably things that pay better and have less stress. Oh, my God, the stress of it. <laughs> this is why I retired. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the one thing I love doing, I love going out in the field and doing the work and talking to the whole owner and exploring every nook and cranny. It's just, just my, yeah. my favorite things in life. And then go home and, even Hot 2000, I don't mind. Hot 2000 is kind of cool to getting all those numbers in there and then pushing all the buttons. And then, but then having to complete all the rest of the paperwork is like my worst nightmare. <laughs> you know, even just getting the report written, I write a lot and I take another three hours to write them, write the yeah. blog stories about what, what I found in their basement and stuff. And it just takes a tremendous amount of time. So, the, you know, the pay level has to be up high enough for people that are pretty skilled it's a it's a skilled job it's a it's a hard job and to do it right it takes time too and and really an energy advisor is actually a a, a good you know experienced energy advisor somebody who can 
really help you out with a retrofit project mm-hmm. is should be paid the same rate as any other professional consultant as far as I'm mm-hmm. concerned. Yeah. Because that's what they are. They are the person in the room who has the building science knowledge. Mm-hmm. It's not it, it's I'm gonna say in my experience, nine times out of ten, it's not the carpenter and it's not the builder. Unless the builder may have gone through the R2000 program or something like that. But then it's even, even still, it's cursory and it's focused primarily on new build. And again, that's a huge generalization. So I apologize to anybody who's out there being, yeah, shut up, Shona. Um, I know you're there. <laughs> There's just not enough of you. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the builders and the carpenters and the trades all want to learn. They, when you, when they learn something, they they love to put it into practice because they everybody wants to build the best houses they can. But they if if they don't know, they're going to build the fastest, cheapest houses they can. Because the if the homeowner's not asking for anything and the building code is not asking for much, and they don't have any specific training in in how to do things better, but every time you know we find these things, we come across this a lot, where we figure out how to do things better, and then they go through it all their whole process, whether it's new construction or renovation. And they usually find out it's even cheaper to do it better. Mm-hmm. So that's the crazy part of it is like, it's not like this usually doesn't cost more or doesn't cost significantly more, or there's savings to be had somewhere else by doing this. So it's people seem to be afraid of, of even talking about building better buildings because they're afraid it's going to cost, you know, substantially more, but it doesn't. Yeah. Well, and, and I think there's that self a disservice that people have done, you know, uh, when we, they do, uh, case studies on the first generation net zero energy houses. Mm-hmm. Those costs are off the charts. But as we, you know, we're now fourth and fifth generation net zero houses mm-hmm. in terms of who's actually, you know, people have dialed it in and there are people um, uh, who are willing to pass the house standard mm-hmm. at market prices. So it can be done. It's just having that, you know, being able to take on the learning curve and be okay with not making a lot of money on maybe two, three jobs. But then after that, mm-hmm. you know, you you need to work out your processes and things that, you know, whatever materials you're using that might upset your, your current scheduling process. But those are fairly, I'm going to say minor, but I'm not the person who's doing the scheduling. I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But I've but, seen it happen in, in yeah. several different firms where it's like, oh, wait, if we just rejig this slightly and not think about, well, we've always done it this way. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great segue into, I think you probably have an excellent rant about the resistance to change. <laughs> and go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well. Hmm. Yeah, there's a, it seems to be a common trait among older builders, shall we say? Not so much the, the, the people coming in now. There's the younger generation designers and builders. They've generally done uh, some green building training. They, they understand the idea of, of climate change being a serious issue. And, and, and the buildings are really easy, you know, low hanging fruit to do something with. So they kind of, they kind of start out with that knowledge, but trying to, pass that along to an older generation of, of builders seems to be really difficult. They don't want to hear about climate change. I, I, I mentioned that, I think, in the, the questions mm-hmm. that you guys asked earlier. And uh, we used to tell all our, 
our energy auditors for a new built and a lot of existing houses too. Like, watch what you say. Like, if maybe talking to a homeowner as it wants the grant, but if you talk about climate change, be they they get all political and it's a political thing and all that. So it's some sort yep. of a, a resistance to change as a, some kind of a stand against tyranny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. And so that's, that's, like, that's annoying, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's really interesting because I know that uh, Nate Adams, who is one of my guests for the next part of this season, um, he works with a lot of HVAC folks and he said, no, they lean to the right. Um, they're at least conservative. So you can't you just make it completely apolitical. It's about right. business. Yeah, yeah. And and I think that that's absolutely fine because my the motto of my company is it's not okay to waste energy. Mm-hmm. And the subtext is, I don't care what reason you choose to agree with me. Mm-hmm. I don't want to pay the utility. I want to save money. I need to save the environment, climate change. Ah! Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I want to be the first on my block to have PV. All cool. Mm-hmm. All reasons are completely acceptable. As long as you commit to the process or to the to the the premise that it's not okay to waste energy, yeah. Or if it could and then be, giddy up, let's go. Whatever yeah, it is, it could be just that I want a really great house for only five percent more that generates its own energy. <laughs> <laughs> really super comfortable and uh, super cheap to heat and cool and quiet, uh, and makes my makes my hydrometer go backwards, and it hardly costs me anything more than buying a standard home. That's yeah. that's the key, I think. Is, uh, yeah, people will buy something for a little bit more. If we're talking like five percent more for an R two thousand house, let's say, <clears throat> which is basically net zero ready, shall we call? It? That's really the new word. R two thousand zero net zero ready. The are <laughs> almost interchangeable, right? So net zero ready is about five four to five percent, and uh, actually putting the PV on the rooftop and being net zero is six to seven percent more. Right, and maybe, maybe even less that. now. PV is dropping. I just put some P, I put a PV system up my my friend last week, and from the time that he ordered his panels, to the time he actually went and picked them up, uh, the the supplier ran out of the older panels that he'd gotten in cheaper, higher uh, higher density panels. They were like four hundred and eighty watts a panel or something. Yeah, crazy. Right. yeah. And they cost less than the ones that he was going to get, which were like you know four twenties or something. So. Crazy. Things are changing really, really quickly, and I think the economics are are uh, leaning in everybody's favor. Nobody cares about politics. I think we'll we'll do something about climate change for sure when everybody finds that it's actually cheaper to uh, yeah to, to not burn natural gas and and uh, well, I think we we'll I talk a lot I talk with folks a lot about uh, the concept of the total cost of building ownership, mm-hmm. and that can help change people's minds about how they perceive how they're spending money and why is it costing me so I can't do net zero because it costs me so much. Well, you know, there's a little bit of money and more money up front, but look at what you save and and the sweet spot for savings is not 50 years out. It's actually within a reasonable time frame. Um, But I want to talk about your place because you have, I have a list of stuff here. Homestead on four acres, 400 tap maple bush, organic gardens, an orchard, a straw bale guest house, a soap bubble insulated greenhouse. And the house you live in is Lead Gold 
R2000 net zero already, but uses 75, 73% less energy. Like, you're like the poster kid. You know, after telling everybody else how to do it and doing it for other people, when it came time to do my own house, I had to, I had to walk the walk, <laughs> walk the talk, you know. So, uh, but it's, you know, I, I can't think of doing it any other way, really. To me, it just didn't, wouldn't make sense to well, do it this way. You would, you know, it kind of puts the kibosh on any of your rants if you don't. Yeah, yeah, true. Well, one of my rants, though, one of my big rants is I think that, I don't know if it's mentioned in that list there, the, the insulation levels for all the assemblies in this house, other than the, the windows, although I think, yeah, I think yeah, they're using triple glaze, not low argon windows, and the Saskatchewan Conservation House. That was mm-hmm. completed in 1979, at least. Two? No, two. Oh, it's earlier, earlier than that. I think earlier. Yeah, well, it was in the yep. 70s, for sure, because I mean, they, yep. they started designing it, and the people like Oliver Drup and everybody all got together and put their heads together for that, certainly in the early 70s, and then built it and commissioned it. And, uh, you know, despite some learning experiences from, from that building, the the people who really knew their stuff back in the 1970s, who all sat around the table and, and argued back and forth with how much insulation should we put in this wall, how much insulation should we put in this roof, how much should we put in the foundation, pretty much is exactly the same as I've got in my house today. And and I didn't ask them. I didn't actually go to look at the Saskatchewan <laughs> Conservation House. I did the same kind of thing. But the modeling now isn't a, a pencil in a in a notebook. Like uh, who's the name that did all that that modeling? Oh, two thousand. Oh, that was uh, Rob Dumont. Rob Dumont. Yeah, it's exactly. Yeah. So so well, Rob he, Dumont he, did this with pencil and paper. <laughs> and, and started his his uh, yeah. I think something something like eight lines of code. Um, to do a furnace sizing piece and how much passive solar gain you were going to get. Yeah. And that, that eight lines yeah. became, yeah. that that eight lines of code mm-hmm. became Hot 2000. Yeah. Which is now like a million lines of spaghetti code because it's been added onto so many times. He actually showed me his notebook that he wrote all that stuff down and all, all, the, all of the coding. I didn't understand a word of the thing because I don't understand coding, but it was pages and pages and pages of Fortran or something. And, and that was, like you say, the original Hot 2000. So when they run the, ran those numbers and said, based on you know, building science and, and physics, what, it, what do you think this house the insulation level should be. Those are about the same levels of insulation that we should be at with the building code now. It's they're about that's about the right numbers, you know. So why are yeah, this, but it's why did we do that? Like, what's going on? <laughs> Talk about being ahead of your time, eh? Yeah, <laughs> like a million miles, Harold Orr and uh, yeah, and yeah. Rob and um, and uh, Mr. Vanny, his name I can't, his first name I can't remember. Um, and then there was. A, just the other guy. The the two of them were uh, people who actually sort of created the prototype HRV for the Saskatchewan hut. Oh yeah, yeah, the one made out of plywood with the core yeah. core of coroplast sign material, basically going yeah. in alternating directions. And and that yeah. hasn't changed. Yeah, I got the. I remember I got the plans for that back they when they did that, and you, you know you can make a plywood box with hat. Plast, plast on it and put the plastic in it, the floors, and it was all sized. So, yeah, that's going way back to, uh, and so it took us a long time, but from the time the HRV was invented to actually getting them into homes, and there you there you go, like, like say to people, 
Do you like to have fresh, clean air in your house at all times and, you know, exchange the dirty air, bring in some fresh air? Would that be nice? And like people are like, uh, I don't know. It sounds pretty, oh, it seems like there might be something wrong with that idea. <laughs> like, I don't know if I want one of those things. I, I'm sure there'd be, I don't know. People have funny objections, you know, so it took well, I think that how the, long, 30 years yeah. to in the houses. Yeah. And a, a lot of, of misinformation too. Mm-hmm. Um and where there wasn't, you know, when we just were talking about air exchangers, that was one thing. Mm-hmm. As soon as you put heat recovery on it, then you have bonus points for it's not costing you. I mean, it costs you a little bit of electricity, but it's costing you nothing mm-hmm. really because it's, it's so much is coming back to you. Getting recovery, recovery, recovery more yeah. energy than it's using. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I remember so, back, you were talking about the resistance in the trades, and I remember when they were still putting in mid-efficiency furnaces after condensing furnaces had been invented, and it, they were telling homeowners, you don't want one of these fancy new condensing furnaces, they'll break down. And there's no there's no evidence for that at all. It was just that this is what the, the you know, remember how bulletproof those things were with the, uh, the, the uh, what, naturally aspirated ones, right? They could actually yeah. see the flame in them. Like you put your hand in and burn yourself on the flame with basically an open flame. And the furnace, the furnace and stars, like, yeah, these things are bulletproof. They'll last the run forever, but they're only like 70% efficient or something. You don't want to put in a 95% efficient furnace because it might break down. <laughs> it's a piece of equipment. It's going to break down regardless, right? Exactly, like, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so that's, that was uh, some of the resistance we've seen. Okay, so here's my last question. All right. You kind of covered them, but I'll give you a chance at them. What's your all-time favorite, nerdy, delightful thing about building science? What just, like, brings you ridiculous joy? Um, I, well, I think mainly is the comfort, the surprising level of comfort that we're doing things right. It's, it, it's actually a feeling that you have. It feels nice to be in a, in a building that's been properly designed thermally, that, that building science thing side of things, of course, having clean air and all that stuff also affects your your mood. So I think it makes people happier. <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right. And last question, which we kind of have ranted about a little bit: What building science BS myth drives you crazy? Mm. Well, houses need to breathe. You know. <laughs> You got to let the house breathe. You don't want to make a house too tight. I've heard this from contractors that, you know, and there's no arguing with them. I would yeah. never live in a house that's like that, that tight, you know. Like, why can't I'm, not, I'm not living in a plastic bag. Yeah, yeah. I want to have holes in my house. Like, okay. That's, you know, that, yeah, I think that's my favorite piece of BS. Breathe in all that house turd. Yep, go yep. ahead. Well, you can always open <laughs> the windows, you know, if your HRD breaks down. Like people are like, well, what what'll happen if the HRV is not working? Same as what you do ordinarily. You don't stuffy open the window. Put a window. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's. I guess that's a good a good note to end on. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Ross. We really appreciate it. And yeah. that is our episode for today. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for tuning in. This episode was produced by Blue House Energy Podcast Atlantic and Tanya Media. Subscribe and don't miss an episode. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time.